Tara's early career aspirations were to be an archaeologist. However, uncovering this workplace artifact is not something she treasures. It was shocking because no, nobody needs to see that. But at the same time, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, and, and what it confirmed was they knew this was coming. So I had done my job, but it will indelibly be in my mind. I'm Michelle Aronson, and welcome to True Stories at Work, where we discuss the best things about working in human resources. The people, the stories, and the things that happen at work that we didn't even know about. I'm a recovering HR executive, certified coach, and business school professor who knows that the best stories happen at work. From heartbreaking to heartwarming, from hilarious to outrageous. Today, you get the pleasure of meeting Tara as we excavate the human elements of human resources. Her psychology background and early career experience as a behavioral specialist taught her the importance of always leading with patience and kindness. Although she does push the limits of her patience when working for a call center. And we would go through a corrective action process and it would be first final written warning, second final written warning, third final written warning. And I would have managers say, what does the word final mean if you're going this far? On today's show, you will learn about Tara's journey into HR. We talk about entitlement and some of the extreme things that leaders include with other duties as assigned. Because, you know, sometimes people aren't grateful and sometimes people don't act so well, use their, their trash cans as toilets. And we talk about the moments where we really do make a difference. If that is the legacy of my career, if that I handled something where somebody came away from a very negative experience and felt like they looked back and thought that there was kindness in that experience, then, you know, then I've accomplished everything I need to accomplish. At the end, you'll hear a workplace confession. This one is a childish prank gone terribly wrong, a puddle splashing that got her banned from the work site. So let's get started. I'm excited, Tara, to have you as a guest on my show today. Would love to hear just a little bit about you. So tell me where you grew up and just a little bit about your background. Well, very excited to be here. I am Maryland born and bred and educated through the university system of Maryland too. And started this journey for HR by becoming a psychology major and wanting to learn a little bit more about people and the way that they think, which turned out to be relatively foundational for the work. And then went on to get my master's degree in human resource development. What's funny is when I first started Thinking about it, I thought, oh, I'm going to be the company picnic planner and the company holiday party planner and quickly learned that I was leaning more on the psychology side of what I did in, in the work that I was doing. I was a psychology major, too. I think it's fascinating. I didn't even know HR existed. My father was very disappointed, you know, and didn't really understand what, what somebody was going to do with that. But that's funny. Mine was the same, you know, and what is interesting about it is my father, through his work, had met somebody who was the dean of the HR program that was starting at the school that I was going. 
you know, I was graduating from college. I had a psychology major. He was a businessman. And he said, I want you to meet this guy and talk to him about how what your psychology degree does to apply to the work that they're doing. So I had a dinner with him. And it was just so interesting to see that there was a connection. And and also it brought things full circle for him to realize that maybe the psychology degree is not that bad. And it has different applications. It's not mm-hmm. uh, just counseling or not, mm-hmm. not that there's not that component in the work that we do, but interesting. Yeah. It is. My father was the same way and he set up a dinner for me with his HR friends. And they said, why do you want to work in HR? And I said, I really like people. And both of them, VPs, one was VP for the other one was VP for this big national credit card company, said, then don't go into HR. That is sound advice. You can like people, but you see a lot of behaviors and things that people do that can challenge that. Can challenge it. I agree. I still like it. I think that is what I like about this podcast and what I like about other HR people is just all the the things that we get to see and experience. But before we get too far away from who you are, I imagine when you were a child, you did not aspire to be a director of HR. So what were you thinking of back then? No, I don't think anybody reads a book about a director of HR and says, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So I had always had an interest in archaeology, loved history. And in a way, I don't necessarily feel like I'm so far off because I remember as a kid being fascinated by reading books about archaeological digs where they would find an old pub or restaurant and see all these tools that people use to do the work that they were doing. And in my mind, I would kind of build a story about what these people's lives were like. And it always kind of was around what they did and how they did it. I really thought I was going to be Indiana Jones. You can be the Indiana Jones of the workplace, saving people from their benefit snake pits. Definitely sometimes feel like I'm running behind that giant boulder of everything happening. And you cannot control a lot of things that people do. And so maybe it's the same kind of analogy. Mm -hmm. What about your first job in HR? What did that look like? I'm thinking back because I actually started in the psychology world as a behavioral specialist working on a neurobehavioral unit. As I was working on my master's degree in HR, thought that maybe the more of the Traditional psychology was what I wanted to do. My first job that I started in HR was actually benefits. And I was in a benefits call center answering calls with people with complicated benefits issues. And it was foundational for me because I think once you understand all of that and can think through different ways to help people, because it was it was leaves of absences. And at the time, FMLA was relatively new. And just helping to explain how that intersects with short-term and long-term disability. From there, I I went into recruiting. And from recruiting, I moved into a a generalist role. And I feel like the employee relations piece comes naturally almost because it's just human and you have to think through problem solving. The other pieces have much more specific rules and, and that part of HR is black and white. There's a huge part of HR that's also gray. I think 
you as a behavioral specialist bring a particularly interesting lens because I think employee relations is the hardest thing. What did you learn as a behavioral specialist and how do you still use it today? I was on an inpatient unit for children with maladaptive behaviors. The one thing that that taught me that set the foundation for me in employee relations in particular is patience, right? In many cases, they were nonverbal, so you had to think of different ways to communicate. They had, as I mentioned, maladaptive behaviors, things like biting and and hitting and eating things that they shouldn't be eating, and that there are some things that are outside of people's control. And there are some things that they just need a little help with. And so it really set the stage for me in going forward with my career because I felt like if if these kids can overcome things, there's really not that much that other people can't necessarily, but that you have to meet them in the middle. I think as far as my employee relations learning, it happened early in my career as my first job as, as an HR assistant or HR generalist. And I was working with somebody who was incredibly difficult and they were in the file room. It, a file clerk and everything was a challenge. Uh, Just some of the things that they said, some of the works that they weren't able to get done. And I was frustrated and I had hit a wall and I was talking to a manager and I said, I just don't get this amount of time and energy that I'm putting in for just a file clerk. And the manager quickly said to me, nobody is just anything. Everybody has a purpose. And it really put me in my place. It was a check for my own narrow-mindedness and biases that I had. And if I was to think about one moment in my career where I really turned around 100%, that was it. I had been called on something that I knew was not who I was at the core. And so I had to go into every single situation thinking that everybody is their own person and we have to treat them with dignity. And it doesn't matter whether it's an Mm -hmm. executive vice president or, you know, the file clerk. I'll be honest, I treat the file clerk a lot better than the executive vice president, just as a matter of course. <laughs> you expect more from the executive I, vice president? 1000%. I'm more direct with what my expectations are than with the people above me because they're role modeling. And when they step out of line, it looks bad for all of leadership. That is fair, but I will say sometimes their behaviors are more eccentric and difficult to get around than other levels in the organization. You know, people talk about entitlement in different roles. There's a different different sense of entitlement or, or privilege. And so you definitely have to navigate different roles differently. Yeah. Let's talk about entitlement. Tell me a good story. I had some crazy stories with one role that I worked in particular where they were traders and, and we had one who had been at an organization for probably 60 years and had been there from the beginning of his career and brought in money, but probably needed to think about retirement. He apparently was immobile and had gotten to the point where he couldn't use the bathroom any longer. So he would use his trash can and he would ask his admin assistant to empty this. And this went on for years. And she did not feel like she could tell anybody about it, that that her role had shifted from admin assistant to nurse. And finally, at a moment of frustration, it came out. And when we talked to him, he just was like, well, that's just part of the gig, right? (laughs) Like, no, (laughs) that isn't. 
that I think is the strangest one that I ever had mm-hmm. that was an entitlement and a lack of awareness. I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't add changing trash can urine into your other job duties as a sign, right? That's uh, a big that's a big reach. We had an executive who. Like there would be a big line for pizza for an employee event or something, and they would walk right up to the front. And I would be like, hmm, I'm sorry. I don't know if you noticed, the line starts around the corner. Simon Sinek says leaders eat last. There's something really humbling about letting everybody be fed before you, but not for this person. And it was pretty mystifying. You know it's funny because at the very top level, I've really been blessed by a lot of the of the executives that I've supported. I also am reminded of of an executive that I supported that would come into the cafeteria for their own lunch. And a lot of a lot of people will send an admin for lunch or or whatever the case may be. Sit down with whatever group had gathered there and just have a conversation and not about work related stuff, but just trying to get to know people and the impact that that makes in engaging people in the work that they're doing is really significant. Yeah, that's great advice. What are the unifying or different things that you've noticed as you've worked in these completely different industries? I've worked in healthcare. I've worked in financial services. I've worked in the tech sector. I've worked in higher education. I love to go in and kind of quickly learn about the industry that I'm supporting. But there's a tie that binds. And I think it is that the work that we do in HR is ultimately about people. The industries are definitely different. The types of people that work in them are different, but overall there's there's a similar thread to humanity. What's been the biggest challenge you've had to deal with? I worked at a multilingual customer service call center and I had been there for 10 years and the company went public. And as a result, they really were kind of assessing their business model and where they did business. And, you know, the area that I was in was very cosmopolitan, but had started to become more homogenous. And it started to become a challenge for us to recruit people who spoke different languages. And we leased our space here in Maryland and owned space in other places. And so we decided to close this call center after 20 plus years. Many people who came to work here, it was their first job when they came from another country because we were leveraging the languages and People watched people's families grow up together, attended people's weddings, very tight-knit group of people. And we made the decision to close. I was a part of leading that, that closure. And what was really important to me was they were a part of my family. I felt for them. I understood. I had seen all of their milestones and I wanted to make sure that it was done with dignity and We did it over a three-year period in which we were transparent what was happening, allowed people to self-select at different points where they were leaving. And I would meet with people in groups, which normally when you're letting people go is not an ideal, but they had a chance to be with each other. And what was interesting was, you know, they would start crying and I would start crying. And, And the humanity of this shared experience I was recently out in a store and ran into somebody who was a part of that closure. And she saw me and immediately said, I recognize you. You worked at this company when I was there and you were part of the laying off. And I just want to tell you 
I always look back on that and think how kind you and she referenced my manager to it were to all of us throughout that process. And I thought, if that is the legacy of my career, if that I handled something where somebody came away from a very negative experience and felt like they looked back and thought that there was kindness in that experience, then I've accomplished everything I need to accomplish. Yeah, that's hard to do. And sometimes it takes perspective and time for the person to put it all together. That's a wonderful story, though, because it's a pretty hard thing to let go a whole area. Yeah. And you also take it on yourself, too. You think, I mean, I worried about where these people landed. I thought about it for a long time and Mm -hmm. and hoping that they could find something where they had somewhat close to the same experience. I knew it was a major life change. And this is groups of people who would come in and bring food from their countries of origin, share their culture with other people. And had built a a bond. It was interesting because it was early in work being done around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I would sit in this organization and this was a normal part of our day-to-day. I would go to work every day and feel like I had traveled abroad because somebody had brought some piece of their culture into this environment. And still to this day, think that it is an organization that had mastered that in a way that I've never seen before. What is your biggest workplace pet peeve? Oh, gosh, this is a silly one, right? But it drives me nuts when people don't read, you know, that that you get a question about something before they've taken a look into it. I know it's a, that's a very little thing, but I feel like that is my biggest struggle to overcome at HR because I, there's a, a lot of information about there. And it's not that they don't want to read. I find it, and this is like more recently than ever too, in this virtual environment where there's so much at your fingertips, people just want an answer, but don't want to look into it themselves. A lot of times people will come to you with a question and it's very specifically about them. And the answer needs to be catered to them. And it, it's something that, that, they have at their fingertips, but they want you to be able to quickly digest it for them. I think people choose not to read. I don't know why, because I read things, but I remember well, also, telling- everybody wants everything so quickly nowadays, right? right? And, I, and I hate to I feel like I sound like my grandmother when I say something uh-huh. like these kids today, because there is this immediacy in our environment and you get that answer and, and or chat GBT. I'm going to chat yeah. GBT my HR answers from now on. And I'm kind of curious how that goes. Yes, there's just this very quick response time. And that, that makes it really hard because in some cases, there's a variance to people's situations that you need the time to kind of navigate through. So that would be my other pet, pet peeve is when people don't have patience to understand that there's some complexity to the nature of things that we deal with. Oh, my God. And also it's complex and it also doesn't always make sense. And that's OK because it's the law. And it's hard to explain it to people because those are the kinds of things that they just don't want to. Or my mm-hmm. ever favorite question that seems to come to HR that I'm not really sure is us is why do I have to pay so much taxes on something? Why do so many taxes come out of my check or why do you tax bonuses differently? First of all, it's not me. <laughs> I didn't make that decision. They're like, just don't, I don't want it as a bonus. Can you just put it in as regular pay? No, we can't do that either. (laughs) 
Like I love like what you want and what is logical isn't always the way the way that it's going to go. Tell me a story where you really felt like you or another leader was really making a difference. It's funny because I also in the moment don't feel like I'm making a difference, but I I can remember in one of my roles I had an employee come to me and this is one employee, but it made a difference to me. Her son was very sick. He had cancer and she just couldn't think through it. She was lost. And so I made a little bit more effort than I probably normally would to kind of walk her through FMLA paperwork and different ways that she was going to be paid and arranging for her leave and working with her manager to have somebody pick up her work and just a, a little bit more of a, of heavy hand. I could tell that she just, she just couldn't figure it out. It was not her fault. It was just devastating. This was her only son. She had nobody at home to help her. It was just overwhelming to her. He went through treatment. She took the time she needed. We actually wound up granting a little bit of additional time. It was an employer that was very, very generous and kind as a whole to everybody. He actually went into remission. Everything went well. And I left that job and years later I got invited to a dinner and she came up to me and she said, I just want to thank you because it was so, and I'm going to get emotional talking about it. It was so, such an awful time in my life and you helped me through it. My son is a doctor now and he treats children with cancer and I could not have figured out how to get there. And then what was interesting about it was there were other people who came and said, oh my gosh, the same, you had done stuff like that. And I didn't realize the impact of what I was doing in helping people navigate this because you think, oh, HR, they just say no, they just do this. They're always rules. They're always, there's no answer to everything. And it was just that really meaningful moment in, it wasn't about one person. It was about the way that I was treating people, helping them through situations. And again, just like the person telling me how nice I was during the reduction in force, it really meant something to me personally. And that's the kind of stuff that sustains you because, you know, sometimes people aren't grateful and sometimes people don't act so well, use their, their trash cans as toilets. I agree. That trash can thing. I've got another story on an earlier podcast where somebody had to vomit and they took the trash cans out of their office. So it's sort of like trash cans have such a complicated role in an office. Yes. Apparently. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> What's shocked you most? You know what? I will say shocked, but not necessarily a surprise, if that makes any sense. Obviously, in our in our roles, we get to a point where we have to terminate employees. At one employer, we're, we're literally, my manager was like, we are the employer of last resort. Like we hire people who otherwise just could not work somewhere. It was true. There were challenges at times and we were just kind and benevolent, which I think we had very low attrition as a result of it. And we would go through a corrective action process and it would be first final written warning, second final written warning, third final written warning. And I would have managers say, what does the word final mean if you're going this far? So we had somebody who was on a third final written warning and really had been doing egregious things. And we finally made a decision to, to terminate this employee. And they worked in a role where they changed desks. So they had a mobile file cabinet that they would move around wherever they, they went to. And so the practice was when you would terminate 
these people, their supervisor would bring down this mobile file cabinet. And so we had the conversation. Individual was quiet, didn't say much, left the building. And the manager and I went to go open the mobile file cabinet. And there was a picture of this individual completely naked with two middle fingers up taped to the bottom of the file cabinet. (laughs) And it was shocking because nobody needs to see that. But at the same time, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, and, and what it confirmed was they knew this was coming. So I had done my job, but it will indelibly be in my mind. I have two questions. First of all, I wonder if they had that in there after their first final written warning. <laughs> and second of all, why was there nothing else in their mobile file cabinet? Like There I was imagine- absolutely nothing. And the thing was, we cleaned out these, these mobile file cabinets whenever we would have somebody who would leave. And they were always a mess with food and everything else. So this individual clearly knew what was on the horizon. And clearly wasn't doing any work that they needed to mobile around with them. I imagine there's files or work product or something in there. Yeah. Just crazy. What was the egregious thing? Do you remember any of their final written egregious things? So this was a call center environment. And often they would tell people who called in to F off or something (laughs) like that. So I'm thinking that was it. I cannot honestly... Michelle, I can't remember exactly what it was because all that is in my mind indelibly is this picture of this employee. Of this Um, naked person with the middle fingers up. But the good thing is, as I was mentioning before, I've run into people that I've worked with in the world. That individual I never saw again. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yay. What's the secret or magic of doing HR well? I think the most essential ingredient in doing the type of HR that I do is empathy, remembering that I'm human, and having the ability to evolve over time. The person that I was that was saying somebody is only a file clerk early in my career definitely sees the value of everybody that I work with now. But I've learned so much. It's every little piece of that that journey that has made me whether it's the different languages and understanding the differences between people's cultures or the different ways to motivate people to work or an understanding of the human condition and that people go through stuff and it changes the way that they interact with other people as a result of it. So I always have to remember that. I think if it was me in their seat, what would I expect? Yeah, we're all just sort of shape-shifting. Any questions for me? So as you're entering this podcast journey, what are you learning the most from the people that you've talked to? I'm learning a lot about stories, stories that are better than some of mine, you know, stories that remind me of some of mine. The one in the file cabinet I love. It's funny and interesting how much happens in HR that people don't, on the outside of HR, don't even suspect or expect. I was taking a writing class and I wrote about a story from HR. And one of the women in this writing class said, I'm so glad stories like that don't happen at my workplace. And I (laughs) said, you just don't know about them. But I assure you, 
that they do. It's always been an interesting point too for me. And everywhere I've worked, I've worked with great teams. And I can remember you go to the holiday party and all the HR people are huddled in the corner together, right? And we can't explain the nature of the work that we're doing. We can't explain that thing you don't know because we're we're keeping that confidential to protect that individual and, and you in some degree too. But What that does then is builds an intensity of camaraderie between HR professionals. We are all living that same experience. And I would say that in order to be effective in all of my roles, having a strong relationship with my peers so that I don't feel isolated and I have a sounding board is also a huge component of the work that we do. You need a release valve, right? So For me, it was either my boss, if I couldn't share it with my team, or one of the members on my team, like one of my directors that needed to know things mostly. But you definitely need a best friend at work, right? Isn't that one of the engagement questions? Everybody needs a best friend at work, even the HR people's. Yes, yes. And some of the stuff that you deal with in HR is heavy. It's people at their best. It's people at their worst. And everything in between. Any other thoughts you want to share? and Not anything that comes to mind. I certainly have enjoyed this. It's yeah. it, it's fun to share. It's nice to know that there's a community out there of, of like-minded people. We're not cat birds. <laughs> so what's a uh, cat bird? Oh, you know, the Dilbert cartoon <laughs> oh, where he's cat, cat bird, the evil HR director or oh, whatever. Oh, oh, oh. Years ago when I went into HR, they're like, that's what you want to do? You want to be the evil HR director? I'm like, no, some of the kindest people I've met have been in HR. The best people, the people I've decided in my career that I keep in touch with. Like you said, there's this similar experience that you're having and it's hard to get the perspective unless you're in it. Yeah, absolutely. Very good people doing this work who care about other people. And that's important to remember when we watch an episode of The Office and we look at, you know, Toby. I'm trying to think of where do they have an HR? Remember I said earlier about the what I wanted to grow be when I grew up? There's no HR people in books. There's no. And the HR people in TV tend to be a little dull, but I think we actually are amazing and have a lot of fun doing what we're doing while ensuring that there's heart in the work that we do. I agree. Well, that's why I start with that question, because very few people had sort of picked this in their early career. So I'm just fascinated how we all all ended up where we are. Well, thank you for being such a great guest and my first virtual guest. I'm honored and uh, can't wait to share your stories. My pleasure. Thank you. We've all done something bad at work, but here's your chance to confess. From small wrongs, like borrowing office supplies to simplify your back-to-school shopping, or snacking on a coworker's lunch, to the major workplace sins, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll type. Here is today's Conscious Clearing Confession. A long time ago, uh, in my first job, I was building a hospital, a veterans affairs hospital, somewhere in California. And it was a huge renovation. And so this was this was a hospital that was live and active. And you really had to be very careful about everything that you were doing. And so I was walking up to the front of the hospital with two of my colleagues from another of the contractors, and we were going in to take a look at the work. 
and it had just rained, which was not a usual event in this particular town. And there was a massive puddle, massive puddle right in front of this hospital. And I'm walking up with these two men. And within three steps of this puddle, I took a running leap and slammed down in the middle of this puddle, thinking I was going to splash water all over these two guys. But instead, I splashed water all over these two old women. Water and mud and muck and gore and trash covered these women from head to toe, who were dressed like they were going to church, complete with hats, right in front of the hospital. And I landed in the middle of this puddle, and instead of being able to laugh and enjoy my prank on these guys, I just had to look over at these women who were becoming irate with every passing millisecond, and they just started screaming at me. And I felt so bad, and I was trying to wipe them off, but they didn't want anything to do with me. And they made a complaint with the hospital, and I was banned it was very sad, but I learned a valuable lesson. You have to look for bystanders, the innocents. So I will say this is not my best friend's best work. It's not targeted or specific enough. It impacts others. It's just messy, literally messy. Sadly, this is my best friend's last confession. She works from home now and isn't quite as fun. So hopefully she'll get back to her game, get back into an office. But until then, I need some new workplace confessions. So I do invite you to submit yours. I'll put some in season two and uh, hope that you will be able to contribute. Now clear your conscience by submitting your workplace confession at physicsatwork.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. If you work in HR and have a story to share, please visit my website, physicsatwork.com slash podcast. Stories are what we remember and how we connect. So please share yours with me. Thanks. If you're looking for ways to create momentum and boost performance to achieve your organization's goals faster, Physics at Work can help you to define and refine your people's strategy. Just reach out to me at physicsatwork.com or connect on LinkedIn because the same laws of physics that drive our universe also drive your workforce. Haiku for Tara. Dig deeply to find the kindness that we deserve as humans who work.